Turn with me in your copy of Scripture to Acts chapter 10. Acts of the Apostles and chapter 10. And we're going to start reading at verse 34 and move down to 42. Here's what the Word of God says in Acts chapter 10, 34. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears Him and does what is right is acceptable to Him. As for the word that He sent to Israel preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, He is Lord of all, you yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with Him. And we are witnesses of all that He did both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put Him to death by hanging Him on a tree. But God raised Him on the third day and made Him to appear not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses who who ate and drank with Him after He rose from the dead. And He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that He is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To Him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in Him receives forgiveness of sins through His name. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank You for Your Word. We pray now that You would bless this reading and hearing of Your Word and the preaching of it and our response to it. This morning we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Did anything sound familiar there in those verses? Sounds a lot like the Apostles' Creed, doesn't it? (laughs) I mean, almost word for word. And Peter is summarizing the faith, so you would imagine that it would be like the creed because the creed is simply a summary of the faith. Now, in the creed that we recite every Sunday and that has been recited somewhere for almost 2,000 years all over the world, uh, which is a fascinating thing to think about in the first place as we join our voices with many millions and countless others that we've never met but will one day meet who believe these words this summary of our faith, this message that Peter has here today. Um, You know, this creed has some things in it that we've been talking about for the past two Sundays. Really, three Sundays, sorry. Starting with Pentecost. So we're we're the third Sunday after Pentecost. On Pentecost, we talked about the church is born. And we're in a series right now called The Church Is... So the church is born, Pentecost. That's when Jesus 
officially moves forward with his plan to save the world by the church, endowed with the power of the Holy Spirit, just as he was. What did Peter just say? That at one point, which was the baptism of Jesus, the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus with great power. So too, the Holy Spirit descends upon the church on the day of Pentecost, when the 120 were gathered in the upper room, and He descends with great power to move forth these eyewitnesses and witnesses of the things that had happened among them uh, by Jesus Christ. And so the church was born. The second Sunday that we talked about this series of the church is, was the church is one. Not in the sense of uniformity, but in the sense of unity. Even within diversity, just like the Holy Trinity. And then we talked about last week, the church is one and holy. Today, as you can see in your bulletin, we're talking about the church is Catholic. <laughs> and people would all immediately throw up a red flag. Well, hang on. <laughs> I thought the sign outside said it was a Methodist church. How is it then Catholic? And why in the world would we say uh, we believe in the Holy Spirit and the Holy Catholic Church? Why would we use these terms? We've already talked about the church is holy, which we recite every week. And now we say Catholic, and that's been said for over 2,000 years. The first time it was said was by Ignatius, who was one of the early church fathers, in 110 A.D. Jesus died around 30 A.D. That's not long after Him that the church was said to be Catholic. Now, you say again, well, I'm a little confused here. So what does it mean for the church to be called Catholic? Now, you saw the asterisk in your bulletin that says universal, and yet that doesn't explain it all. Catholic, when you go look at the term, which you know I'm kind of a term dude. I like new terms. I like to expand terminology. I like to use the full range of terminology to push people on it. Uh, because quite frankly, I find it intriguing. Most people when they talk are boring. And so if you change up words, if you throw some things out there that stretch them, it mixes it up a little bit. Shakes things up and I feel gets the job done. And so every Sunday we say this ancient word Catholic. The church is holy and Catholic. Why would we say this? Why would we use an ancient term? Well, one reason we would use it would be because, well, we have an ancient faith, don't we? It wasn't started 10 years ago. It wasn't started 70 years ago. It's older than the United States of America. It's even older, our faith is, than 2,000 years ago. Although Christianity was started 2,000 years ago, the faith that has been passed down is longer than that. Hence the reason we have the Old Testament. So from the beginning of recorded history, which is with the Sumerians in about 3500 A.D., comes Abraham in about 2100, which is where Genesis 12 picks up, right? The rest of it kind of is obscure to us in chapters 1 through 11, but nonetheless shows you that, hey, this faith that we have is ancient. So don't be surprised if every once in a while we throw an old ancient term in there. Don't we do that in some of our songs about the Republic? Some of our songs about America? Yeah, you have to throw in some ancient terms. 
And this is one of these ancient terms that is really a Greek term is what it's based off of that really means a little more than just universal. Like a universal plug or something of this nature. Rather, it means pertaining to the whole or a part of the whole. Almost the sense of issuing with the whole or moving with the whole of the whole thing, so to speak. So in a sense, universal... It's kind of like the body. My finger isn't detached on its own, but rather it's my body. It's not something like my body. My finger is my body, and yet it's not the whole thing. This church here that's meeting this morning at Harvest Point at 10 o'clock, or thereabouts, is one part of the whole. A real part of the whole, just like my finger is my body. It's not something like my body. It is my body. So too this church is the body of Christ. Not something like the body of Christ, but is the body of Christ. And yet it's not the whole body of Christ. And it's attached primarily to the head which controls these phalanges. Since we have a doctor among us. So, we too are Catholic in the sense that we are part of the whole. We are part of the universal, if you will, the invisible church. I couldn't help but think when we were singing the doxology, as I often do, and think this, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. You see how it connects heaven with earth here? It's not just us down here by ourselves in this smaller building that some would say, in China they wouldn't say it was a small building, but we would think it would be here in Madison. No, we're connected to a massive movement in the world called Christianity. Our leader is Jesus Christ Himself who is the head of this body. So if He wants us to be a pinky toe, we're going to be the best pinky toe, I hope and pray, that you've ever seen. Hey, if He wants us to be a little something more visible, like a thumb, hey, we're going to be the best thumb that we can be here in the Madison-Huntsville area. You see, we are Catholic in the sense that we pertain to the whole. We are attached to the whole body of Christ. Now, you say, well, what does that really mean? And what does that really look like? It means that the church is unrestricted. There are no restrictions on the God's church. It's Catholic. In other words, we don't stop you at the door and say, hey, you've got to be white. Hey, you've got to be Chinese. No. no, no. There are no restrictions on God's universal church. His invisible church throughout the world. You don't have to be from Mississippi. Even though I think that's a good thing. Jackson and I both are from Mississippi. We're born Mississippians. We're the only ones in our immediate family here. Besides my brother, he's here today messing things up. But nonetheless, uh, that are Mississippians. Jessica's an Alabamian and so are all my other children. No, you don't have to be a Mississippian or an American or an Indonesian, or an African. This church 
is universal. This church is whole. This church is Catholic. Now, the difference is we're not Roman Catholic. Roman Catholic would mean that we were a part of Catholicism, which we are not. We're a part of Catholicity, if you want to be specific uh, with your adjectives. But look, I'm not here to get bogged down. Here's the deal. Our church is a part of the whole of the body of Christ. In other words, when you get here to our church, this is the real church of God. You're not some second level tier. Just because we're a new church, just because we may have 40 people, that's not some kind of second level church any more than my my shorter left thumb is no more greater than my right thumb. No, it's all my thumb. It's my body. So, two is the church Catholic. The church is universal. The church is unrestricted. The church is unlimited. The church is all around. You say, yeah, but, but I mean, what, what does this mean for me? I mean, where is this in the Bible? Well, look at verse 38. How God appointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. You can't separate Jesus' church that He founded, the one church that we talked about two weeks ago. You know, there's only one church that He founded. He didn't found 4,387 denominations. He founded one church in different expressions. And that's okay to be of different denominations. We have different denominations represented in this room this morning. Some Baptist, Lutheran background, Presbyterian, so on and so forth. Jesus founded one church. What makes us one is Jesus and the Holy Spirit, which Peter talks about here. The Spirit is universal. The Spirit truly is Catholic in His reach, whole in His reach. Jesus walked around in Jerusalem and Judea and Galilee. He only went as north as Caesarea Philippi which is not very north away from Jerusalem. It's not too far. He never traveled over 200 miles from his hometown. It's fascinating. And yet he's the most famous person in the whole world. Which means you don't have to be a world traveler. You know, some people, if they've traveled the world, they think they're smarter than you. Look, Jesus didn't ever go over 200 miles. And yet, look at his impact. But he was localized. He was in a body. The Spirit is not. The Spirit did not take on a body, and yet the Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. You cannot separate the Holy Spirit's work from Jesus' work in the church. Therefore, Jesus is the head, and the Spirit is in here with us giving life to the body. In other words, if we're going to be the body of Christ, the true universal church right here, a part of the whole, then we must be animated with the Spirit. In other words, He must make us alive. He must give us the power to move forth as witnesses of Jesus Christ. And you can't separate the two. Now again, to go back and be a little historical today, 
Irenaeus is the first one to say that God, the way He works in our world, is with His two hands. What he means by the two hands of God is one is the Son of God, the only begotten Son of the Father. He's the only one. He was sent to become one of us, to clothe Himself in flesh, in our headaches, and to die for us and to rise again, to lead us into eternal life. And the other hand of God that He sends into the world to work in our world is the Holy Spirit who He sends at Pentecost. And so Irenaeus says, look, it's kind of like God is reaching to us to grab us, to hold us, to rescue us, to hug us, to love us by His two hands who is His Son and His Spirit. I think that's a good image for us to bear in mind. We sometimes are lopsided on either the Spirit or on Jesus. You have to have both. They are inseparable as persons of the Holy Godhead, the Holy Trinity. And so, the Spirit's work is universal. It's Catholic. It's whole. It is the whole. And He is not limited by anything in our world. In other words... God works through philosophy. God works through religions. God works through your work. He works through bad situations trying to get your attention. The Spirit works in all things to draw us to Jesus Christ. In other words... Every person that you've ever met, even if they've never heard the name of Jesus, the Spirit is at work in their life. You'll never meet a person that has not been touched by the Spirit of God. I don't care how hard they are, how how far they've gone into sin, the Spirit is at work in their life drawing them to Jesus Christ. They may be rejecting Him. They may be quenching Him. You may be rejecting Him. You may be quenching the Holy Spirit. And the Bible warns us not to do such things. But the point again here is in the body of Christ, in the world, the Spirit's work is universal. He's working in Muslims today. He's working in Hindus today. He's working in philosophers, in intellects, in secularism. He is working in the hearts and minds of all people doesn't mean all people are responding to Him. doesn't mean you're responding to Him. We always like the question, well, what happens, pastor, if someone never hears the gospel and they die? It's a good question. But what happens, I always turn around and say, what happens if you live saturated in the gospel and you never respond? There you go. We like to wonder about other people because it's a diversion of Satan. The question's a good one. I'm not going to answer it here, but if you're interested, we can talk about it later. Not only is the Spirit universal, but the church is whole. Past, present, and future. 
what we see, our, so to speak, slice, our visible body here at this church is seen by us in the present. We have a little bit of a past. I mean, we're a new church. We have some of the, some of the baggage of other places. And we have a future. But what I mean by the church as whole, the church is Catholic this morning, is I mean we are connected in a real way to that cloud of witnesses. To those who have gone before us, who have paved the way for us, who have passed the torch to us today. And now we, young people, older people, have been given this mandate to pass it down to the next generation that was just sitting up here making us chuckle. That was us. It's time to grow up, reach for the torch, and start carrying it into the world. We are the church. In other words, God is going to use us in this room. He's not going to use invisible people. You can't leave it up to someone else. It's like on a football team. The guy is supposed to block to the left. Well, he says, ah, you know what? I think my buddy here to my left is going to take care of the problem. I'm just going to kind of lay low on this one. And the play's a disaster. Everybody has a job to do. Everybody is called to carry the torch. You know, we talk about unity. We talk about faithfulness. But let me just share with you, especially those of you who are interested in our military, as we just kind of celebrated Memorial Day uh, two weekends ago. The military functions, especially the elite teams, function on unity and teamwork. That's why they're so good. That's also why God is so good. <laughs> it's because He is a unity in diversity. He is Himself a team. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit working to save us, to win us over. If we're ever going to be effective as a church, we too must operate the same way God operates, which is in unity as a team. Faithful. I mean, just think about it. Some of the, one of the greatest fighting forces in all of world history are the Marines. I mean, they'll go down in history. Even if America collapses and is forgotten, the Marines will still be remembered as a great fighting force in the world. What is their slogan? Semper Fidelis. Again, they use some old, ancient words. Nobody ever complains about that. Semper Fidelis. Semper Fidelis. Live or die. What does it mean? Always faithful. You would think it means always blowing their head up. Always, you know, pulling a trigger. Always crushing skulls. That's what seems to be getting a job. No, no, no. Faithfulness? Really? The greatest, one of the greatest fighting forces in the world is based on faithfulness? Well... One of the greatest fighting forces in the world is God. And He, above all things the Bible says in the Old Testament, is faithful to the end. Even if it's at His own personal cost. 
even if he has to jump on the grenade to save his other guys, he's willing to do it. Faithful. Faithful. So is this whole church. They are rooting us on today. We're in the game. We're still playing, so to speak, the game of life. They're in the stands now. My pappy, he's retired. He is rooting us on. He's cheering for my brother and I. Not to make a bunch of money. Not to gain worldwide fame. But to be faithful. If he was here today, he could tell you that himself. Son, I want you to be faithful to God. Faithful to your wife and to your family. Some of the last words he always said to me was, you better take care of that girl. Better take care of that girl and that family. Faithfulness. It's what will change the world. It's what will change your co-workers. That's what it means for the church to be Catholic. Is connected. Connected to a larger body that we can't even see, but that's in the stands rooting us on. To the ones who are down the road a hundred years, who because of our faithfulness now in a secularized America that seems antagonistic toward Jesus Christ most of the time, it's because we held the line. It's because we didn't give up. We didn't cower down. We didn't retreat. Maybe we don't have any big victories. Maybe we never make it into the papers or into the pages of history. But we held the line for the next group to do it. Look, I'm willing to be that guy. I'm willing to be the one to say, look, even if I don't have a ministry that ends up getting on TV and my own yacht, that's fine. I'm not in it for that anyways. I want to hold the line. I want to make sure my corner is secure. I want to make sure that I gave my flesh and blood to you to give you an opportunity to respond to Jesus. That's it. That's what you've been called to do. That's what I've been called to do. That's why we are a whole church. We're a universal church. Also, we have a holistic message. That just simply means we have a whole message. We don't have a partial message. As Harvest Point Methodist Church, we're not picking one doctrine over the others. You know, most heresy, if you go back and read it, in the church that has been condemned as heresy, is because somebody found one doctrine, whether it be baptism, whether it be the Holy Spirit and His gifts, whether it be a wrong understanding of Jesus, they picked one doctrine and made it ultimate rather than seeing the whole counsel of Scripture. It's tough to keep the whole thing, right? In perspective, 
It is. It's hard for me. And I'm supposed to be trained. I'm supposed to be the coach. And it's hard for me to keep all the message of God whole and holistic. To have a well-rounded gospel rather than a one-sided or lopsided gospel. I don't always want to be seen as the guy who only preached basic salvation. Or the guy who only preached sanctification. Or the guy who emphasized spiritual gifts or power in God. No. I'm offering all of that. All of that is what we need. Just as the coach on a football team has to see the whole picture and have a holistic plan. If he's heavy on offense but weak on defense, they're going to lose the game. It has to be a holistic approach. What God offers to us in the Bible is a holistic gospel. His counsel here is whole. Which is why I'd also kind of shake things up this morning. I'd also call us here, not only Catholic, which you think, what in the world? But also Pentecostal. We here welcome the Holy Spirit's work. We're not scared of His work. Some churches are so structured, they leave no room for extemporaneous praying or the Spirit's work or make the service go longer. Listen, we're here to listen to the Spirit. I'm here to listen to the Holy Spirit. So you'll hear me say sometimes, I believe that the Spirit has called me to do this. And that should not freak you out. And yet there's structure at our church, isn't it? We have a bulletin. We have a pretty structured service, even though I like to deviate. You see, there's got to be this holistic balance. We're not just focusing on the, our contemporary times of making our service contemporary with lights and all these kind of, you know, almost like a con. That's fine for some churches. I want to see the ancient faith connected with our modern technology. Love it. That's what we're called to do as the Catholic Church, as the universal. We're not bound by 21st century or 20th century or 17th century or 1st century. No, the gospel must be adapted. The gospel's dynamic. Our message is dynamic. Our God is dynamic. Therefore, the expression of our faith is going to look very different than it did in the 1400s. And yet, it's the same message. Different method, same message. Jesus is Lord. He's the center. So, so far what you've learned is we're Catholic and we're Pentecostal and Methodist. Only kidding. But these are some adjectives that really do and ought to describe the church universal. We welcome the spirit of Pentecost among us. I pray that He burns within your heart so that you have to give praise and glory to God in the service. If that's what you want to do, praise be to God. 
That you have to go out this week and witness to what God does in our hearts. Most of us are so structured living in Huntsville, Alabama that it's not appropriate to talk about those kind of things. We need to also be dynamic in the way we witness. It's not going to look the same. We are not the kind of people in this area who like people knocking on our doors, who like the salesman approach. That may have worked in the 80s. That may work for some people here. But for most of you that I know here in our church, you don't even want me over at your house, much less some unknown guest. You see, the method changes. message doesn't ever change. Not only do we have a universal spirit in the whole church and a holistic message, but also lastly, we are called to the whole world. To the entire world. Not to the people we get along with best. Now typically churches, just to let you know and just so you're okay, typically you attract people who are like you. I mean, just go figure, you know. Um, However, the work that we do here at Harvest Point, we deal with the homeless. Which I don't know any of you that are homeless. We deal with people who are hungry. I don't think that's a problem here. The message, our mission, our commission from the commissioner, if you will, the commander himself, is to go into all of the world, the entire world, with the message of Jesus Christ. This is what we're called to be about. In particular, that ought to take expression in your world. I can't get into your world. Not just because I need a clearance card, but because people in your world don't trust me like they trust you. It would take me years to develop that. And in old times, in times past, pastors had a very prestigious role. If you said you were a pastor, that was respected. Not so anymore. Not in the America we live now. Too many scandals. Too many unfortunate failures. And too much individualism. To where now the structure of pastor is altogether almost obliterated. And yet, you can be a pastor at work. You can pray for people. Aren't we all called to be priests? Not just me, but you. And you can only touch your world like you can only touch your world. And what you're going to be responsible for one day when you stand before Jesus, who, as Peter just said, is the judge of the living and the dead, you're going to be responsible for your world. What did you do in your... It's easy to send money to Africa, trust me. It's easy to send money to Brazil, where I sponsor a child. It's a little more difficult, is it not, to share your faith with your family? To live out that faith in your family. To live it out at work. 
to be a witness to that ancient faith. As we say in our baptismal vows, to become the gospel. Look, that's what the church does. That's what the church universal, the church Catholic, the church that is holy, the church that is one, that's what we do. So, notice again what Peter says here, God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears Him and does what is right is acceptable to Him. Anyone. Listen, we have a Catholic faith. One that is not limited to this location. But one that sees itself as a part of the whole. Working in the body in operation to the head, who is Christ. We don't see ourselves as some segment, some restricted, elitist club. No. You're welcome. Your friends are welcome. Your families, your co-workers are welcome. Someone off the street is welcome. Because this is not our church. It's His church. This is not our work. It's His work. Are you a part of God's work in the world? Do you know? Have you embraced the two hands of God? Jesus and the Holy Spirit's work? We come to Jesus for salvation and He gives us that salvation, but He wants to fill us with His Spirit. Have you made it all a mental game? I believe in Jesus, but as far as living it out, not happening. The Spirit can sanctify your life. You are the church. You're it. You're the best He's got. He's not going to use somebody that's not sitting here today. He's going to use us in this room. We're the best He has. We can't look around and wish that we had this or wish that we had that. It's not helpful. No. Become the difference. How? By turning to Jesus Christ. By inviting the Spirit of God into your home, into your life, into your family, and asking Him to burn away the sin. Asking Him to give you a passion for the lost. We have a faith that is based on the universal Spirit in the whole church with a holistic message. Not a lopsided, but a full gospel. Some churches even call themselves full gospel, so now we're Catholic, Pentecostal, full gospel. Apostolic, holy, Methodist. You see, God's not a respecter of persons, nor am I. Nor is this church. If you want to get to work with God, this is a place you can do that. If you want to join hands with us as a family of God to move into this community, to do our part as the body, wherever that may be, this is a place you can do that. Because our mission is to the entire world. And we won't stop. Our job won't be finished until He comes back. So we work until He comes back. Just like my pappy, He worked until He died.
The last thing he did was work in the garden. He was a worker. We, spiritually, need to be workers for Jesus Christ. You weren't called just to work for X company and then retire. You're called ultimately to God. He is your ultimate boss. And one day, it's not going to be a group of managers. It's going to be Jesus. God Himself, who you'll have to answer to. Turn to Him today. Receive His Spirit. See yourself as a part of something larger than you. Amen.